Ma'am, we have been in Luke for almost all year long, going through chapter by chapter by chapter. Um, I think Luke chapter 23 has close to 70 some odd verses through it. I mean, I could go, I could go like four weeks in this, but we have got to get, and let me just tell you what, what I got to do, okay? I got to get Jesus on the cross, off the cross, resurrected, and, uh, you know, appearing before 500 people or so, and Christmas, all within about the next three weeks. Got to go back to the birth. So, uh, so this morning I want to, uh, let me just give you, I just want to give you just a little bit of background, because, there, I mean, this was such a, a great passage of Scripture, this whole chapter, and it's like, what do you leave out? I mean, it's all so good. It's just, you know, just unbelievably good. So um, I, want to, uh, I want to just pick up in the Old Testament. Uh, of course, you're thinking, man, it's going to be a short service, and we're in Luke 23, and you're starting in the Old Testament. You know, help me. But in uh, Leviticus uh, chapter uh, 16, 17, um, there, there's a passage of Scripture, and I think it will really help you understand, if I read this first, where we're going uh, with this. And it says that this is how... Aaron is to enter into the most holy place. Now, remember, you had in, in your temple, you had an outer court, uh, you had an inner court, you had a Gentile's court, you had a court for the priest, and then you had what was called the Holy of Holies, which was just this little court that uh, Aaron or, or one of the high priests would go in once a year, and they would go in and they would offer a sin offering for themselves. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews that Jesus doesn't have to do that because he was sinless. He didn't have to offer a sin offering for himself. And so, but it says that when Aaron went in, he had to offer a bull for his sins. And that's where we'll pick up. He must first bring in a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He is to put on the sacred linen tunic. Uh, with a linen undergarment next to his body. He is to tie the linen sash around him and put the linen turban, put on the linen turban. These are sacred garments. So he must bathe himself with water before he puts them on. And from, uh, from the Israelite community, he is to take two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Okay, and, and, and really this is going to be kind of the crux of the message where we're getting to. I'm going to come back to that. You're going to take two, uh, two goats, one for a sin offering uh, you know, for the Israel community. Uh, he's going to take two male goats, one for a sin offering and one for a burnt offering. Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household. Then he is to take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. He is to cast the lots. It's kind of like casting dice. And he casts for the two goats. One lot is going to be for the Lord, and the other lot is going to be for a scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls on the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. But the goat chosen by the lot for the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord and used for making atonement by sending it out to the wilderness. All right, so just a little background. He picks two goats. He takes these dice, it's kind of like a dice kind of a thing. He rolls the dice, and whichever one of the dice that falls on the Lord's goat, Aaron is supposed to just take, um, you know, that goat, and 
it's called, this is called the Day of Atonement. We also know it, you probably know it as Yom Kippur. Uh, Yom means day, Kippur means atonement. It is a national day. It's when Israel comes together uh, as a national day of sin. A sin, it's, it's like cleansing the nation, the entire nation. I wish we had that here in our nation. I mean, we need not, we, our nation needs to be cleansed of sin as well. I mean, I think we think we're so high and we are so lofty, but God said if my people that are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and confess their sins and, and confess their wicked ways, he said then I would heal from heaven, I would forgive their sins, and I would heal their land. Our land needs healing. I mean, we are a broken, divided nation right now, and I, there's not one political party that is going to save us. What we need is a big dose of Jesus. I mean, we need a big dose of Jesus in this nation. And so on this national day, this day of atonement, uh, so uh, uh, Aaron casts lots, one falls on the goat, and, and he really kind of just goes in and, 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 you know, he's confessing his sins, and he just takes that goat and he lays his hands on that goat and just kind of like puts all the sin of the nation. And, 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 and guys, all of us struggle with sin. And, and each of us in different ways, but we all struggle with sin. And he puts all of that on that goat, and that goat is, is offered its sacrifice. That goat, that innocent goat that did absolutely nothing is put to death because of the sins of the nation. And if you read the next chapter, I think it's uh, chapter 17, God kind of explains why. He says that life is in the blood. And it's in the blood that we make an atonement for sin. Why blood? I mean, we think about it. Why Jesus? Why did Jesus have to shed blood? Why, why couldn't they just strangle him? Why couldn't they just kind of like, you know, uh, just you know, throw him in a cave and bury him, let him suffocate? Because life is in the blood. And there had to be shed blood from someone innocent. Remember what John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus? He said, this is the Lamb of God that will take away the sins of the world, the perfect Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. So one lamb is put to death, and then the other lamb is taken out and just kind of like released out into the wilderness. And there's some really, really, really interesting stories and kind of like legends that go along with this, this lamb that's been released into the wilderness. And for hundreds of years... People would come back. Who can quote Isaiah chapter 118 for me? Really loud and really bold. Stand up and say it. Yeah. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 1. Let me give you a hint. Though your sins be... Come on, come on. You can say it louder than that. I know you can Though your sins be as scarlet, he says, come, let us reason together, God says. Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they will be white as snow. And you know what? Israel kind of took this to heart. They, they recognized that, that God is, you know, it's not just words on a page, that God is washing away our sins. And so what they would do with this one goat that was released into the wilderness, they would take a scarlet cord and tie this thing around the horns of the, uh, of the, of, of the scapegoat, the, the one that was released. And, you know, you know, years would go by. 
and they would come back and report this to the high priest, and they said, guess what, man, we saw, we saw the, 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 the scapegoat out, out in the wilderness, and you know that cord, that red cord that you tied around his horns? It's not red anymore. It's white like snow. And they saw that as something just like miraculous happening that, that God was, it wasn't just words on the page. Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. And this went on, you know, year after year after year. But guess what? In about the year, you know, 30 A.D. when Jesus was crucified, and then for the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years in 70 A.D. when the temple was destroyed, because that's where you had to make the sacrifice, that's where the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, he would go in there, and they would take that, that, same, that same scapegoat every year and release it. Well, some people started coming back and said, you know what, I saw the goat. And the scarlet's cord is still scarlet. It's not white. Because there's only one atonement for sin. And the blood of goats and bulls and lambs and rams and oxen can never take away our sin. That he who knew no sin was made sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And only he can take away our sins. And only he can make us white as snow. And you guys know, and it's just hard for me to just keep from breaking out right now, what can wash away my sins? Oh, okay, let's do it. Well, let's do it. You going to help me? Somebody, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I'll stop there. I'll spare you. I'll spare you. All right. All right, so, and so you're thinking, well, that was great, but what's that got to do with Luke 23? I'm glad you asked that question. All right. So in Luke chapter 23, let's just pick up. And in Luke chapter 23, this is, this is so cool because the night before, uh, and I know that some of you know this, but some of you don't know this. Jesus, remember, he, he, we talked about this last week and, or a couple of weeks ago. We had the Passover meal. We, had the, we broke up in groups. We had communion. Talked about the significance of, of Passover. So after, after that Passover meal, after Jesus washes the feet of the disciples, they go up to the mountain to pray, and uh, Jesus is arrested there. And that night, Jesus, he, he goes through a total of six trials, okay? That night, uh, he's tried by Annas, the high priest. He's tried by Caiaphas, Caiaphas the high priest. And, and just keep this in mind, you know, you know why two high priests? One is the Jews, you had a, if you were born a high priest or if you were, you know, the son of a high priest or, you know, you were the high priest, next in line would have been your son. All right, according to their history, according to their tradition, the law of Moses, all right, you would be the high priest. But when Rome comes in, there was a little animosity, a little skepticism. Rome didn't really trust them. And so Rome says, hey, we're going to, you know what, we're going to put our own high priest in place. And so they, they had two high priests. Annas and Caiaphas was the other high priest. And then 
early the next morning because it was illegal for them to have a trial at night. Uh, This is the religious trials that Jesus went through, uh, Annas and Caiaphas. And then the next morning they assembled the entire Sanhedrin, the 70-member council of the Sanhedrin, which is probably most likely or closely related to our Supreme Court. And so they got all of these guys together, and they all found Jesus guilty of, what was he guilty of? What was it? Blasphemy. He he was guilty of blasphemy. He said that he was the Son of God. He said he was the Messiah. Okay? And so the next morning after after the trial with the Sanhedrin, they said, okay, we're going to take him before Pilate. Take him before Pilate. Pilate says, I see nothing wrong in this man. I'm probably going to end up reading all of this in just a second anyway. But let me lay the groundwork because this is good. So Pilate says, I see nothing wrong in this man. And then he heard that he was from Herod's jurisdiction. And he says, okay, oh, he's from Herod's jurisdiction. Let's send him to Herod because Herod happened to be in town that day. And so they send him over to Herod. Herod wanted to see some miracles. He wants to see Jesus do some tricks and things. And then Herod says, you know what, I don't see anything wrong with him either. He sends him back to Pilate. All right, back to Pilate. Pilate is pleading with the people. He's begging with the people. There's nothing wrong with this man. He's done nothing worthy of death. All right, he's gone through six trials. He's been found innocent in all of those trials. So let's just pick up. Let's pick up the word. He says, verse 23, the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate. They begin to accuse him, saying, we have found this man. Wait a second. We have found him guilty of what? Subverting. Wait a second. Wait, no, 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 no. Subverting the nation didn't even come up. What was he guilty of? Oh, oh, he's guilty of blasphemy. When it's just the Jewish people, when it's the Jewish leaders, He's guilty of, oh, he said he destroyed this temple. He's guilty of blasphemy. They never said one thing about him subverting the nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Messiah the king. And so Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. And Pilate announced to the chief priest and to the crowd, I find no basis of charge against this man, but they insisted. He stirs up people all over Judea by teaching, by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way down here. Remember Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, the northern part of Israel? And he's come all the way down to Jerusalem, which was probably in about the middle of the, uh, the country. And on hearing this, Pilate asked if he was a Galilean. And when he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod who was also in Jerusalem at the time. And Herod saw uh, Jesus and was greatly pleased because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he had hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. And he plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there. Notice who it is. It's not the crowd. It's the chief priests and the teachers of the law are standing there vehemently accusing him. Um, it says, and dressing him in an elegant robe, or it says, and then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed him and mocked him, dressing him in an elegant robe, which was probably Herod's robe or Pilate's robe, and they sent him back to Pilate, and Herod and Pilate became friends before this they had been enemies. 
And Pilate had called together the chief priest and the rulers of the people and said to them, You brought this man to me as one who is inciting the people to rebellion. I've examined him in your presence and have found no basis for uh, your charges against him. And neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing that deserves death. Therefore, I will punish him. That means the beating, the scourging, the 40 lashes minus one. Therefore, I will punish him and release him. But the whole crowd shouted, away with this man. Release uh, Barabbas to us. Barabbas had been thrown into prison for insurrection in the city and for murder. The exact charge that they're bringing against Jesus now, or had, that they had brought against Barabbas, they're bringing against Jesus now, and yet they want Barabbas to be released to them. It says, in wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again, saying, uh, appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Now, I mean, if you can just get this image, because remember, you know, they had taken the really nice robe off of him, he was down to probably, in those days, you would have like a linen under, undergarment and an outer garment that you would tie with a sash. They had probably taken his outer garment off of him, taken the, the nice robe uh, off of him. He had probably, well, Isaiah said that he was beaten so bad that he was hardly recognizable as being a human being, is how bad he was beating, had been beaten. Now, can you imagine? It's just like, you know, it's like, the crowd standing there and looking at him and, and, and the state that he's in. And, and yeah, it might have seemed first at first, the first lash, the first couple of lashes, yeah, this is cool. He says he's the Messiah. You know, let's see what he's going to do. But at a point, he gets to a place where, I mean, he is really a, a pathetic, bloody sight. And I think the crowd is starting to wane and I think the crowd is starting to think, you know what? I'm not into this. And, and yet there were still those that were saying, crucify him, crucify him. The whole crowd shouted, away with this man, release Barabbas to us. Barabbas had been thrown into prison for insurrection, as we said. And wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And for the third time he spoke to them, why? What crime has this man committed? I find, no, I find in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded, and I believe this is the religious leaders again, that he be crucified and their shouts prevailed, so that Pilate decided to grant their demands. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified. And their shouts prevailed. All right. So I, I, want, I want to just go back. I, 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 want to, I want us to think about that for a, a moment. You've got, you've got Jesus, the precious, sinless Lamb of God there. You've got Barabbas that is a man that has committed murder and incited revolution, insurrection against Rome. You've got these two. Let's go back to Leviticus. You've got two goats. One goat, all the sins of the nation are placed on this one goat. 
and one, that goat is put to death, and the other goat is let go. You know what, if we were going to give those goats names today, you know what we would call them? We'd call one of them Jesus. We'd call the other one Barabbas. I want us to think about this for a minute. I mean, here they are. I mean, just think about this. The precious, sinless Lamb of God. And it was all because of God's plan. Placing all of the sins of the world upon him. All of your sins. All your yesterday sins. All your today sins. And all your tomorrow sins. All of my sins. The sins of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And God placed all of his sin, all of the sin of the world upon Jesus and let the guilty one go free. And guys, I want to tell you that's where we are today. Barabbas. You know what your name is? Your name is Barabbas. I'm calling you Barabbas. I am, and I'm calling myself Barabbas too, because we are sinners, and we are the ones that deserve the beating and the death and the crucifixion that Jesus received. But God loved us so much, he says, put it on him. Put it on him. I love them so much that they couldn't bear it. Put it on him. Put it on my son. Put it on my spotless lamb of God that has never sinned in his life, never once sinned in his life. Put it all on him. Let him bear their sin and let them go free. And I want to tell you today, guys, if you're in here, if there's somebody in here and you have not received that free gift of God, if you have not allowed God to take your sin and place it on Jesus, but you're just saying, hey, man, I'm tough. I can suck it up. I can be Barabbas, put me in with the toughest of them. I'll be in jail, I can handle it. If you're saying that, let me tell you something. You will die in your sin, and it will break God's heart. I want you to stand with me. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. Just stand, because I want to give you an opportunity. This is our communion Sunday, and I want our servers, if you would, please go take and bring the elements up. Just stand up here in front. But with as they're moving, and I just want our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And that stung somebody. Barabbas. Barabbas. You feel like you're Barabbas this morning? You feel like you're Barabbas this morning, and you've never received Jesus as God's son You've never allowed him to take all of your sins and the sins of the world and, and place them on his sons, but you want to just bury your own sins. If I'm talking to you, I want you to raise your hand up high right now. Raise your hand up right now. If you feel like you're Barabbas and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, raise it up. Please keep, keep holding it up. Please keep holding it up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I just want to pray with you because God does not want you to be Barabbas. God wants to take the, your sins and put it on his son, Jesus. And if you just say from your heart, Father, I know I've sinned and I've messed my life up and my life is a wreck and it's mostly because of things that I've done, not things that you've done, 
I'm asking you, Father, that you would forgive me. And I see it clearly today. I, I see one goat, an innocent goat, receiving all of the sin of the nation. And I see the one goat that did absolutely nothing except the lot just fell on him and he was able to walk away free. And Lord, I see in the same contrast your son Jesus who did absolutely nothing and yet all of the sin of the world falling upon him and I'm able to walk away free because of what Jesus did, because of his willingness to go to the cross. And today, Father, I want to receive your son Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want him to come into my life. And Lord, I know that I don't have the strength or the power to change my life. But when you come in, you bring in your Holy Spirit. And you give me your Holy Spirit, not because I'm good and not because I'm holy. You give me your Holy Spirit to begin to change my life. And today is the beginning of change and Father, today I'm, I'm asking you to come into my life, forgive my sins, wash me in the blood of your son Jesus, and begin to change my heart. And Lord, there's things that I've got in my life that, Lord, I'm so ashamed of and I'm, and I'm just so held back by. And God, I know that when you come in, that your word says that you're like light. And there's no place for darkness to hide in light. And I'm asking that you would bring light in and drive out darkness in every area of darkness that's in my life. Whatever that may be, Father, I'm asking that the light of the Son of the living God would drive darkness out and help me to live my life for you. And your word says about sons and daughters of God, so let your light shine that men may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Father, I can't create good deeds on my own. I can create good deeds because of what Jesus is doing through me. Come, Lord Jesus. Change my life. Heal me. Heal my brokenness. And use me for your glory. We all ask these things in Jesus' name and God's people said, Amen, Amen, and Amen. All right, guys, if you would please come in a counterclockwise man uh, manner, take the cup and the bread, and go back to your seat, and we will pray together, and I'll speak a blessing over you and release you, and you will go out, and you will be the light of the world.
as we're gathering our, uh, the last of the elements. Uh, the Bible says that if, you know, uh, when, when we partake, and, and let me just say that there's nothing, you know, mystical or magical or anything like that that, that partakes. What we're simply doing, when Paul gave the uh, church at Corinth instructions on the Last Supper, he just, he just simply said, you know, that what we're doing, we, we're doing in remembrance of Jesus. We remember Jesus for what he did for us. Uh, he also goes on to say that if we eat the uh, bread un, in an unworthy uh, manner or we drink the cup in an unworthy manner, that we uh, uh, drink and eat judgment. We bring it upon ourselves. And so uh, uh, as, I think about, as I think about that, well, you know, I mean, all of us are probably saying, well, who's worthy? Who's, wor who's worthy to eat? Who's, who's worthy to partake? Well, see, none of us are. We're, I've got it real, thanks. Uh, you know, it, it, and it's because, you know, it's because he is worthy. We're simply just doing it because, because of him. We're doing it because of what he has done for us. And so in that traditional format, uh, many, you know, and Jews still do this today at a Passover meal uh, as they would have a cup. Remember, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, the four cups of, um, of uh, wine. And uh, Jesus would take bread, and today in a Passover meal, they would take bread just like, like we have, unleavened bread. It's unleavened bread, which represents getting the sin out, that Christ is our Passover and that, uh, you know, they, they, uh, that night in Egypt when they left, uh, they made their bread uh, uh, without leaven or without yeast so that they could eat it quickly. They, they were dressed. They were ready to go. They were prepared. It's the way the church, the body of Christ should be. But this is typically the way that they would start their, their prayer. They would say, Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And then Jesus took that bread and he broke it after saying probably those very exact same words. And he says, this is my body which is broken for you. All of you partake. And then in that same fashion at that Jewish Passover meal, the leader would say, Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth the fruit of the vine. And Jesus, just right on the heels of that, just took that and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for the forgiveness of sins for all of you, for all of you. No one's left out, for all of you. Shed for the forgiveness of sins, a new covenant. Shed for the forgiveness of sins for all of you. All of you partake. And then he went on to say, as often as we eat this bread again and as often as we drink this cup, we just remember Jesus. I pray that, you know, during this time of year we just celebrated Thanksgiving uh, entering into this Advent season. Uh, guys, I'm going to just tell you, it's so easy to get lost. It's lost to get, it's easy to get lost in the shopping and the gifts and the buying and forget why we do what we do. But the only reason that we're doing this is because what he did 2,000 years ago. 
I'm going to speak a blessing over you. Anybody want to receive a blessing this morning? All right. Let me just, I want you to go out this way. Because um, this is from Deuteronomy chapter 28. I love this passage of Scripture. And I, I pray that you would get to know it. I pray that it would become familiar to you, that you would know and read and understand. But in Deuteronomy chapter 28, God is giving the law to Moses, and he talks about a blessing for those that keep the law. That simply means obedience. Remember uh, Saul's sin that he didn't, he didn't obey. He wasn't obedient to the Lord. The psalmist said to, to obey is, to better, is, is, to, is better than to sacrifice, to obey. So why don't you just close your eyes and, and just, I really want you to just hear the words because there is truth in this. There's truth in these words. If you, who's that talking about? That's talking about you, right? Look at your neighbor. Say, this is talking about you. It's talking about you, okay? Okay. Listen, I was talking to a guy the other day. Let, let me just break. He said, man, when I left church the other day, he said, I, he said, I felt like I was 10 foot tall. He said, I walked out of here. He said, I felt like I was 10 foot off the ground. That's the way I want every one of you to leave. I mean, you know, this is a place to, come to, to be built up, to be encouraged, to be strengthened, to be edified, to go out and just show the world what you've got, what you've got inside your heart. Well, you've got Jesus inside your heart. He's making a difference in your life. All right, we're back to you, okay? I, 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 know, I know what Rick Warren says, but in this particular case, he's wrong, okay? <laughs> because it is about you. This is about you. And uh, for those of you that have never been read purpose-driven life, that means absolutely nothing to you. But the first statement of that book, the first sentence that he writes, he says, it's not about you. It's the first thing he says. But right here, this is about you. And he says, if you will fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow the commands I give you this day, listen to this. Here's the little caveat. If you will fully Obey the Lord your God. This is what God's going to do for you. He's going to set you high above the nations on the earth. Anybody want to be there? Anybody tired of being in the valley? Anybody ready to be high above the nations of the earth? I am. He says, and all of these blessings will come on you and accompany you. You know what, I, 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 I challenge you, go home and read this in another translation. Because when it says this right here, it says, all of these blessings will come on you and accompany you. You know what that says in another translation? It says, these blessings are going to run you down. They're going to run you over. You're not even going to be able to get out of the way of these blessings because God is coming after you with blessing. That's what God wants to do. He's coming after you with blessing. He says, all of these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. And then he talks about where you're going to be blessed. And honestly, there's no place under the sun that you can't hide or that you can hide that you won't be blessed. If you're a businessman, you're going to be blessed in the city. If you're a farmer, you're going to be blessed in the field. Your children are going to be blessed. Your livestock are going to be blessed. Your calves are going to be blessed. Your fields are going to be blessed. 
You're going to be blessed when you go in, and you're going to be blessed when you come out. Man, that's what I want. That's what I'm talking about right there. I want the blessing of God, not because I want God's blessing, but I want God. And when God shows up in your life, you know what? He doesn't show up empty-handed. He tells us over and over again for us not to show up empty-handed. He says when he shows up, he doesn't show up empty-handed in your life. He shows up with blessing in your life.